On today's Marketing O'Clock Off the Clock show, we talk to Kyle Pucko, founder of Geofly, about his digital marketing journey that started in higher ed and led him into a regionalized realm. Welcome, Kyle. Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news. We record live every Friday from the Cypress North Studios located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Join us each week for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. Greg, great to be here. Thanks for having me on the podcast. All right, Kyle, we're going to talk about how you got into digital marketing. But first, what is one job that you've had that people may not know about? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I think probably my first job ever. Uh, I was, I think it was 14, and I started as a strawberry picker for a local farm. So I would go, I would show up. Uh, I guess my mom would drop me off at that point. I would hop on the tractor. We would go out, and I would pick strawberries for what probably felt like eight hours was more like two hours a day. In fact, <laughs> I think it was more like two. That's probably illegal to work eight hours as a 14-year-old. I was just about to say, this whole thing sounds illegal. So you're 14 <laughs> yeah. years old on the back of a tractor. Uh, so yeah, what, what, I, I must have signed some sort of waiver, but I don't remember doing that. So, so what's one thing people don't know about strawberry picking that they should? Well, you should know that you don't get paid by the hour strawberry picking. You actually get paid by the court. So oh. it's, uh, it's kind of based on commission. I'm sure people think, oh, you just kind of show up, you could pick some strawberries and eat some strawberries, but you will not get paid if you just spend your time eating strawberries. Okay. So you really have to optimize your time. Very, very yeah, interesting. You know, there were a lot of lessons to be learned in, in strawberry picking. For example, if you brought back an empty or like a half full or sort of full court, they'd send you back and make you earn that full court. So <laughs> wow. it was good. Yeah. They really didn't, didn't ease up on these, these poor 14 year olds out there in the no. fields. No, no, no. It was... So that was a good job. That was a good entry to uh, to the workforce. Yeah, to hard work. So speaking exactly. of that, what was the first job that got you in the door, out of the fields, and into digital marketing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, great question. Um, really, it was my work as a college admissions counselor. So uh, post-college, I worked as a college admissions counselor at Rockford University, which for those that don't know Rockford, Illinois, uh, Rolling Stone magazine ranked it as one of the worst places to live in 1999. <laughs> and my role was to recruit students from around the country to attend college in the worst place to live in the country. So, And did you uh, lead with it, that stat when you, when you brought them in? Yeah, that didn't make our marketing uh, brochure, but we tried to avoid it at all costs. So it was definitely a, a great lesson in um, in value proposition and okay, what, what reason would a student from Nebraska have to come to Rockford? And so it was really challenging, but learned, learned a ton. And, you know, for those familiar with admissions or not familiar admissions is really, uh, at its core, a sales position. And so you're talking with students, you're talking with parents, you're giving a lot of presentations. In some cases you're walking backwards, giving college tours and, that's really where I honed a lot of the presentation skills that have followed with me in my career and, uh, and where I got introduced to marketing because you're, you're communicating to students who are visiting you as part of a 10-part college tour. Uh, if you think to your own college search, like you're looking at a lot of different schools and at any moment the right one can strike you, but as the admissions counselor, you're, just, you're always looking for how can, I, um, how can I improve the chances that this student will pick the school. 
Okay. Yeah. So, so it sounds like it's your job to kind of sell these folks on the location, on the school. And there's a few ways to do it. One, to convert everybody that you have the chance right. to, or it sounds like maybe you got into it also to, to drive more leads so that you have a, a higher opportunity. Is that kind of the path you're talking about? Yeah, you drive more leads and, um, you know, and just from the sales side, you're also thinking about, well, we can't be everything to everybody. If you get a perfect ACT score and you're a blue chip athlete, like Rockford University isn't for you. And I think that was a real awakening for me as a marketer was figuring out that there are some people that this is not for you. There were some students, though, that Rockford was perfect for. I mean, it was really small class sizes. Um, you could be a big fish in a small pond. And so if that was important to you, that was the message that we wanted to, to present. And so, you know, those learnings were instrumental in the next step, which was spending a lot of time on the road, talking with students one-on-one. -on -one. This was in around 2007. And okay. figuring, then, figuring out then how can we make some of these processes more efficient and reach more students online. And that's, uh, that's really where the digital marketing piece sort of started. I guess the seed was planted. Okay, cool. And so how about, how did you go about doing that, right? You're trying to get that, that you've got the seed in the ground. How do you water it? How do you turn it into something that will bear fruit, let's say? Yeah. Um, th that transition, I guess, to use the metaphor, the seed kind of sprouted actually when I took a job at the University of Montana. So learned my marketing chops, learned the sales skills, and understood the marketing funnel at Rockford. You know, inquiry, applicant, admitted student, enrolled took that knowledge and went to the University of Montana here in Missoula, where I am today. And um, again, I started as an admissions counselor, but moved into a digital role, uh, really by my own sort of brute force, uh, recognizing that there were a lot of inefficiencies in our recruitment process and seeing if, hey, you know, maybe there's a better way to do this. Um, and it really all started with the university needs some sort of digital marketing presence, whether it's we're spending 10 bucks a month on Google, on Google AdWords at the time, or, um, you know, just focusing more on video content that we can send out by email. Um, so really it was asking, Hey, do I have permission to sort of test these channels? That's really how it started. Great. And then from that position, initially you had turned that into a full, full fledged. That was, I believe your first full-time digital position when you took that marketing recruiting coordinator spot and again, saw that value and turned it into the digital marketing manager. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And it was interesting because on LinkedIn, um, yeah, I was searching for other people to connect with in the higher ed digital marketing space. And I remember this really clearly. I was searching on LinkedIn and uh, for a digital marketing coordinator at any university throughout the country or digital marketing manager, and, and one didn't exist. So I think one of my claims to fame is that I was the first digital marketing manager at any university or college, at least according to LinkedIn. So, <laughs> uh, so I didn't have many people to reach out to. In fact, people started reaching out to me at other schools, like, what does this position look like? And um, so that, that transition happened. Yeah, I was managing campaigns nights and weekends, during my day job, I was giving the tours, I was meeting with students, I was going to college fairs, um, but recognizing that there was this opportunity here that the university could really benefit from. Okay. And so on the higher ed level, I mean, it's a pretty complicated process. Is there anything yeah. that people should know 
that might be out there now that are looking at digital marketing in the higher ed space specifically? Yeah, it's, it's both complicated and it's become hyper-competitive. Um, I think if you're in higher ed specifically and you're looking to get into digital marketing, um, I think one of the things I always thought about was the quote from Moneyball when uh, whatever character Brad, Pitt's, Brad Pitt is playing says, you know, if we play like the Yankees in here and he's talking about scouting room and how much can we afford, then we're going to lose to the Yankees out there. And that's true in higher ed marketing, that if you try to compete with the University of Phoenix in, you know, bidding on keywords or spending more money than them on Facebook ads, you're going to lose. And so the piece of advice I would give is try to figure out your unfair advantage. And for us, that was we have an amazing campus and we have an amazing staff of people that can give you a really great tour and you can come on campus. So our goal was to get people on campus. Um, and we did that by like offering things that the University of Phoenix couldn't. Like they're obviously online, so we want to offer on-site tours and uh, even video calls. Of I guess they can offer that, but one-on-one video calls. So things that required a little more input on our side. Okay, yeah, and that 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 leads into this this next question that I had for you, which is. At the time, you said that you might have been one of the first positions, at least on LinkedIn, in right. that space. But hopefully, someone you know, can prove me wrong. Like <laughs> I was doing it in two thousand five. <laughs> but is that is many people might at least at least universities may hire agencies? But what you're saying seems really really specialized. Um, you know, is that something that you think belongs in house at? a university or college that this position, or do you think it can be fulfilled within, you know, an outside agency? Yeah. Um, I think that if a university doesn't have a digital marketing person in house, um, they should, that's not to say that they shouldn't also work with it with an agency, but there's so much happening on a university campus and, uh, a lot of committees, you know, they're, they're definitely guilty of a lot of red tape. And so somebody that can not only help manage digital marketing campaigns, but manage that red tape internally would be so key. Um, so I would definitely recommend having a digital marketing person in-house that understands, yeah, this is Rockford and it was ranked by Rolling Stone as the worst place to live, but here's why our math department is actually kind of cool. And yeah. I think an agency might have a harder time telling that story unless they're kind of boots on the ground. Yeah. And when I heard you talking about that the, the first time, I mean, that makes a ton of sense is to say, you just need a little more horsepower, but having those boots on the ground, you know, that that's, that's priceless in a way, right? Like being yeah. able to connect. So that's awesome. Yeah. After that position though, you had moved back to the agency side. Um, and, and kind of what prompted that shift from, you know, again, kind of, let's just call it in-house or in university yeah. <laughs> uh, to the right. agency side. Yeah, the, the university, for anyone thinking about, hey, I, I might want to work at a university or get involved in uh, an in-house you know, position, um, it was invaluable in a lot of ways. It, I was able to earn my uh, MBA at the University of Montana completely paid for, uh, which was a huge benefit. Um, I was able to you know, take a ton of courses while I was there, completely paid for by the university. I was able to test a lot of things, and I was able to fail really freely, which was great. Uh, but in, in 2015, um, yeah, left and, and started, started my own project, um, Geofly, and then we ended up doing a lot of digital marketing uh, work as well. 
And I think what ultimately prompted that was um, Missoula is an interesting place. Like, if you if you are familiar with Montana, you know Missoula is sixty thousand people surrounded by complete and total wilderness. <laughs> and so, unlike Boston, you know, when you're the digital marketing manager at Boston College, and oh, there's a VP of marketing positioning open up or position opening up at uh, you know Northwestern or wherever it might be or sorry, Northeastern, also in Boston, you can make that move really easily without having to uproot your, uproot your life. Um, Missoula is different in that if you want to progress in your career, you, you have to make some decisions. And I think it's one of the reasons there are a lot of entrepreneurs in Montana is because that next decision for me was I want to, I want to grow, I want to learn more, and I'm not seeing a ton of opportunity here in Missoula um, to do that, but I can open my own shop and, and make that happen. Okay, and that brings us to where you are today with Geofly, and and we're gonna have links in the show notes, but it's G E L F L I, um, and so a how did you come up with Geofly, and can you briefly explain it in an elevator pitch what Geofly is? Definitely, yeah. Sticking on the theme of higher ed, you know, we had a lot of students uh, coming to our website at the University of Montana from California, from Oregon, from Washington, and. All of these states, if you're a student from those states and you come to the University of Montana, there's amazing scholarship opportunities for you. Good luck finding them on the University of Montana website. And so that the idea for Geofly, which to your point, the quick elevator pitch, we allow anyone to easily change website content based on visitor location, persona, or industry. So um, it started really with location. So somebody visiting the University of Montana website, umt.edu, from California will see California-specific scholarships. They'll see a California student that moved from San Francisco to Missoula and is like, this is amazing. There's mountains everywhere. It'll talk about a parent's journey. It'll talk about alumni in California that graduated from the University of Montana. So a really personalized experience. And really the, the idea came from just noticing um, this user experience that could improve. And so like any entrepreneur, I'm looking and I'm trying to find a service that can do this for us. And when I didn't find one, that's the, uh Oh, like, looks like we might have to do this ourselves. So my co-founder and I, Nick Schantz, we put our heads together and uh, made it happen. Okay, cool. And so that's one example, obviously in the higher ed space. I know yeah. that uh, a few years back you put together 25 or so different use cases that you could use this for, but I, I guess just in, in general outside of higher ed, is this something you think that people should be using as this kind of highly personalized, let's call it, this personalization aspect to their sites in general? Yeah, I mean, definitely as one of the co-founders of Geofly, I'm going to say you should be using personalization. Uh, but beyond <laughs> that, I think, it's, I think it's really powerful. I mean, you go to a site and the expectations are, are really high that you have a certain amount of time to capture my attention. And if you don't succeed, I'm going to bounce. And so... When you're navigating a site and you feel like, wow, this is really relevant to me. Uh, oh, I need to reach out to the local office. Oh, here's the salesperson for that local office. There's a, here's their face and here's their phone number. Uh, that makes your life easier. And I think anytime you can make your potential customers' lives easier uh, is a win. Okay. And so to that point, who shouldn't be using a personalized service, right? Like, obviously, there's a lot of people where it makes a ton of sense. Where... Is it too much for a certain company um, to say, hey, this might not be the right fit? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, we've, we have kind of our 
our customer sort of here's the here's the ideal customer for GeoFly. Like here's someone that will get the maximum benefit. And a couple of those check boxes, and they have to meet three, are like, hey, do they have more than one location? That that makes sense. If you have one location and you're a local business, um, it may not make sense to personalize your website in a way for uh, out of state customers if you don't have out-of-state customers. So if you're pretty local, um, GeoFly might not be might not be for you. Um, I think if you're trying to do a lot of price changing, that can be that can be really tricky. We've just had some we've had some interesting folks that want to uh, try to change prices based on geography and we don't really feel comfortable doing that just because it, it seems like you should have one price and test that for everywhere. But um, yeah, I think that's a good question. You know, you have to want to you have to want to be willing to grow, and you have to be tracking some things already. If you have questions like, I don't know how many people visit my website today, uh, we're going to be talking to you about how do we increase conversion rates on your homepage. So um, you might want to answer some of those questions first before using GeoFly. Nice. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so now you're an entrepreneur. What is the yeah. hardest part of running a company? Yeah, that's that's another great question. Um, for me personally, it's it's definitely focus. Uh, I am definitely guilty of um, seeing an opportunity and thinking that could be really interesting. We were talking before the recording that I just had a daughter; she's seven months old. It's really exciting, and man, there are a lot of opportunities in the infants and like child space that <laughs> it could be improved. And, here I am as, you know, my entrepreneurial mind in REI looking at baby sunglasses and thinking, these are cool, but they could be cooler. I think <laughs> I could do better. Um, but then I slap myself and say, you're not getting into the baby sunglass game. So uh, definitely focus, which I think we've, we've gotten really, really great at. Um, and that's in large part due to the team that we've built is they, they can take a project. Um, you know, we've got, we've got folks that sort of manage content, manage social media, manage um, paid search. And it's just been, it's just been a huge, it's been like uh, kryptonite or gasoline. No, kryptonite's Superman's weakness. Yeah. It's been like yeah. gasoline on a fire. Not okay. Kryptonite. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what kryptonite um, would do on a fire, but maybe it'd be super it cool. Who knows? <laughs> probably something cool. So yeah, let's stick with kryptonite. Uh, but it's been really great to see. And in, in the last year has been a, you know, our biggest growth year yet. So that's been great. Okay. So, I would say though, um, what, well, A, just let me go back. If you ever did come up with a, a software as a service company that could stop a seven month old from crying, you would be, yeah. um, you'd be rolling in dough and <laughs> then true. B, what is the most rewarding part? Um, you know, saying that you left obviously a, a pretty, what sounded like a comfortable gig and, you know, started this up on your own. What's been the most rewarding part of this so far? Yeah, that's that's an easy one, and it's definitely working with the power of a team. Uh, I think I mentioned it briefly in the in the other answer, but just seeing the team tackle a problem. Um, we recently actually started our own home buying podcast just to test out podcasting, and it's been really fun seeing you know all the pieces come together. Um, it's been fun getting pitched a project, and then all of us sitting around a table and being like, "All right, how how would we tackle this as a team?" And, you know, Nick, our developer will say, I think this is possible. We just have to figure out how to do it. You know, Tally, our content manager would sit down and say, I can, these are some of the articles that I might write about. Uh, Sean, who manages, you know, he's our digital marketing manager. He, 
he kind of puts all the pieces together and comes up with a really elegant strategy. So I think that's the most rewarding part is seeing our team hit the ground and get excited about a project uh, and just being able to move really fast is, is really fun. Cool. And again, the GeoFly product specifically is really a software as a service product, yeah. correct? That, that's accurate to say? Yeah. GeoFly is probably like 20% of our business. So okay. the other 80% is digital marketing management. And so from the software as a service side, what is one thing that, that many people don't know about software as a service? We've had a few folks on the marketing clock off the clock, like a John Henshaw, formerly of Raven Tools, who have talked yeah. about this. And, and to me, it's very interesting. So what's one thing people might not understand about um, about software as a service marketing or just the entire business that is software yeah. as a service? Well, I think I was guilty of this when I was thinking about, you know, software as a service seems, seems really great. Like people log into your software, their credit card gets billed and, you know, you, you, you sit at home and you watch this company grow and, and everybody logs into your software. Of course, it's not that easy. Um, and, one of the things you know that people should know is client retention is of course just as important as client acquisition so we spend a lot of time talking about how to keep our existing customers you know happy delighted informed and we can always do a better job of that i'm not saying we do that perfectly but uh in setting out that's one of the things that has been most surprising is just the amount of um the amount of time and the amount of effort involved in keeping your existing customers happy and Again, to the earlier when we were talking about, you know, if you play like the Yankees out there, you're, or in here, you're going to lose to the Yankees out there. It's one of the things that differentiates us from some of the larger software as a service, you know, that that do similar things as us. But you're going to have to pay for phone support or pay for chat support. With us, it's you get, you know, you can you can be talking to me, you can be talking to Cassie, whoever it might be, but you're going to have a human face behind your product. So that would be um, one thing to keep in mind: is keeping your customers happy. Uh, is the ultimate, um, the most important piece. Okay, great. And so we've seen this this journey from and, and transformation really, from admissions to this hybrid digital marketing, you know, in house university uh, university, um, now to this agency and you know SaaS product. If you could give yourself a time machine and go back ten years from today, what career advice would you give yourself? Yeah, that's a really great question. Uh, it's interesting because even five years ago, if you were to look at YouTube, you might say, YouTube is saturated. Uh, it's, it's not worth spending time on there. I'm going to look for the next opportunity. And you'd probably be wrong. Like your investment in time in YouTube or building some thought leadership in that space would, be, would, would pay dividends uh, today. So I think 10 years ago, it's easy to look back and say, oh man, should have, could have, would have. But uh, I think you know, writing more, uh, sharing what you're learning with more people in different ways, whether that's writing articles or YouTube or like you're doing today, podcasting. Um, I think there's big opportunities that were probably missed, but um, I think today it's, it's exciting to learn from. So then you ask the question, well, what is that thing today that, that I could be spending time on? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> okay. And that brings us to our lightning round where we've got a few questions and we're going to run through them. And you've got a very interesting background again, where you've got agency and in-house experience. So what yeah. is the best and worst thing 
about working again at an agency doing work for other folks? You know, one of the worst things I guess has been the transition from being very hands-on to delegating some of those tasks, which has, you know, definitely elevated our company and allowed us to do some cool things and allow me to focus on different projects. But I kind of compare it to the baker that loves to bake and then opens up a bakery only to hire great bakers and watch them do great baking while they're growing the business. So uh, that's been that's been kind of tough. I feel sometimes disconnected from from the campaign itself. Um, but I think the best is I mentioned it before, just building building a team that does really cool things. Uh, you know, a couple of your other guests have said, yeah, you know, building and managing a team can be difficult, but it can also be extremely rewarding. I think we've got a we've got a great crew that. Um, that's doing some really cool things. So that's been, that's been the best part for me. Yeah. It's awesome when you're working with, with fantastic people, it makes, it makes things easy. So then yeah. what is the best and the worst part about working in house on one project for one client? And in your case, again, the university side. Yeah, definitely. The best part there was the ability to, to test and um, to really get a lot of your education paid for. That was amazing. Um, you know, I wouldn't trade my time at the university for anything. They, they allowed me to, they gave me complete autonomy and learn and fail. And, um, it was all so new. So that was, that was the best part was feeling like I can really, I have a really long leash here to test a lot of things. Um, the worst part was probably, uh, the, the amount of hats that you need to wear as a digital marketing manager of a, of a large university, or I'm assuming of any large company where you're sort of it, you're the marketing person. And so you might be one minute planning an event and the next minute setting up a Facebook ad set, um, without really feeling like you're going deep on anything. You're just, you know, it's a lot of shallow work. And that was, that was challenging for me. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, that piggybacks off your answer from earlier about saying maybe having somebody in house, but also having that extra agency boost could, could be beneficial. Do you guys do a lot of work with higher ed now currently? Yeah, we do work with, uh, yep. We work with like Colorado state on the geofly side. We've worked with the university of Oregon, which was a really cool experience. So we're still very much in the higher ed world. I can't get out of it. Yeah. So you're now seeing it on both sides. That's awesome. Exactly. Okay. And is there a book, a blog post, a website or anything that's had the biggest impact on your career? Yeah. And, um, we talked a little bit, um, you know, we talked a little bit about sort of the transition and jumping into, uh, an agency side and starting your own business. And so I think it's kind of two parter for me. The first is, uh, in that transition period, probably the most valuable for me was Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week. A lot of those principles of things like what's the worst case scenario, asking yourself that question, I think is a really healthy practice. And he also, his, his thoughts on kind of minimum viable product before Eric Reese's lean startup even existed, uh, were really mind blowing to me. Just that you can put a checkout button on a website for a product that really doesn't exist yet. And then when someone goes to check out, you send them a quick message and say, hey, you know, you're, you're the first one that's going to get this product. And that was just incredible to me that, wow, you don't have to produce the baby sunglasses before <laughs> you make it. I shouldn't talk about baby sunglasses. I'm not going to do it. Um, and I would say later in my career, um, it was – I always like to read you know, Malcolm Gladwell, some of the books that talk about marketing theory. But – organizational management and sort of organizational structure 
as you continue to grow becomes critically important. And so I recently picked up Traction, the EOS handbook. Hmm. Uh, I forget the I forget the author. I'll have to shoot it your way, but it's been a really good playbook for like, hey, there's this is how you kind of set quarterly goals and quarterly rocks and annual goals and get your team behind them. And that's been really helpful. We started to implement it just last year, and it's been it's been great. Awesome. Awesome. I, I'll have to check that out. I have not yeah. read that one, although Tim Ferriss's book is interesting. The only issue I have with that is how many times people come to me and, and say, hey, we want to test this out on AdWords. We're going to try all these different things. And it's like, I don't think he, this really happened where he tested out the, the titles yeah, of the right. book. I, I, how do you know that it seemed a little right. fishy? And wouldn't it be better to do Facebook advertising at this point? Like just find a set and not what people are searching for? I don't know. That's my only only gripe. <laughs> you should, you uh, should okay. email Tim Ferriss. <laughs> Might take this out. I don't know. We'll see. All right. And then, <laughs> in your opinion, what is the most important factor for having a successful digital marketing career? Yeah, this is a this is a great one. Uh, I heard one of your other guests say curiosity, and that was the first thing that came to my mind. But again, I I want to keep your listeners engaged, and so they're not hearing the same responses. Uh, I thought the word resiliency kind of stood out to me that um, you're going to fail in digital marketing, like things aren't going to work. And as long as you have the, you know, as long as you have that mentality to keep going and uh, move the ball forward each week, each day, each quarter, um, you'll be really successful. And of course, curiosity is huge. Like you've got to be, you've got to be adaptable. But I think resiliency is, is a big one because, um, a lot of times you're powerless. You know, Google comes out with a new algorithm or a search update or uh, Google Ads changes their entire platform and you have to relearn it. So I would say if you're resilient, you're going to be successful in a digital marketing career. Okay. And then speaking of that, that, that mistake part that you talked about, what's been your biggest yeah. mistake so far in your digital marketing career? Yeah. Um, I sort of mentioned it earlier, just not jumping on some of the channels that you know, sparked a light bulb in my mind and said, there's, there's something here and just getting preoccupied with other things. Um, I would say not investing in thought leadership earlier in my career. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So where can people find you next? How do they follow you if they want to hear more Kyle Pucko? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, geofly.com, as you mentioned earlier, is a great spot. Kyle, K Y L E at geofly.com is my email. Uh, look me up there. And those are probably the two, two best spots. Okay. Well, thank you for coming on marketing and clock off the clock and sharing that amazing journey. Again, you can find more about Kyle on geofly, G E O F L I.com. They've got a great blog on there that talks about personalization across all sorts of industries, RVs, recreation, higher ed, and a lot more. Um, also you can follow GeoFly on Facebook. I know you guys are active there. So yep. thank you for coming on the show this week and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you'll stay up to date with our famous Friday news shows to keep you in the know each and every week. And we will be back with another digital marketing journey next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock. If today's show was of value to you, please subscribe, leave a review or share with a colleague. If you are looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered.